What kind of a man are you? The guy is unconscious in a coma, and you don't have the guts to kiss his girlfriend? I, I didn't know what the coma etiquette was. There is no coma etiquette. See, that's the beauty of the coma, man. It doesn't matter what you do around him. So you're saying his girl, his car, his clothes, it's all up for grabs. You can just loot the coma victim. I give him 24 hours to get out of it. They can't get out of it by 24 hours, it's a land rush. So if the coma victim wakes up in a month, he's thrilled. He got out of the coma. He goes home, there's nothing left? Nothing left! <laughs> Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. This week we're here to review the episode, The Suicide. I am Dando. I am Guy. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. This episode wouldn't fly in 2022. <laughs> so I've got, besides the jokes targeted at suicide, I loved this episode, thought it was hilarious, but all the stand-up about this, particularly at the end, where he was mocking people for not successfully committing suicide, I was like... I don't know what this says about A, the person, B, the times that they'll look. I was, I, just didn't, I was only, what, two or three at this time. If that's what the mindset was at that time, man, have we come a long way, and thank God we have. Well, yeah, I'm not sure that uh, we were that uh, sensitive, sympathetic, or even that aware about, uh, about mental health stuff uh, at yeah. that stage, or... Yeah, but, uh, that, yeah, that, uh, that final uh, bit of stand-up from Jerry, I'm like, <laughs> Doing a bit of collar t- I actually had to put on a shirt so I could go. Rrr, rrr. Yeah, I was I was surprised this is the kind of thing that they haven't tried to cancel. Have that kind of thing removed from Netflix because it's pretty hurtful. But that like I said, that aside, what I will say is I wake up very I was having a very good morning today. And, you know, because Nicola's gone to work in Melbourne, manager of the state, she's gotta go work in Melbourne on Mondays now. I'm getting mm-hmm. the kids ready for daycare, they're doing what they're told, they're getting dressed, they're having their breakfast, brushing their teeth. And I'm just about to go get myself ready. And then I see the unfortunate news that Jason David Frank committed suicide overnight. And he was like a child and a hero of mine. I couldn't believe it. I thought, really? Like, oh, I met him several years ago, had lunch with him. He was a lovely person, full of positivity. But just goes to show that you just don't know somebody sometimes, you know. And he, he was hiding all this pain. And unfortunately, you know, as we said, he committed suicide overnight. And I just thought, what are the odds of us doing the episode The Suicide? The same day one of my childhood heroes, unfortunately, takes his own life. I thought, cheapest creepers. But... I just did want, I did want to say though that if you you know if you are struggling with anything speak up as people say it's not mm. weak to speak you know I'm glad we're so accepting now as a society to allow people to seek help and not uh, criticize them for it or mock them for it it's especially the male um, the men out there it's okay to go out there if you're feeling down or that you feel like you're alone go and seek help and you can do so by in the US you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. In the UK and Ireland, you can contact 116-123. And Australia, you can contact Lifeline, 131114. So make sure you contact those helplines if you feel like you need someone to talk to. Hmm. Absolutely talk to a professional by all means. But even if you want to just take the first tentative step of saying to a friend or someone you trust or someone you can rely on or someone who's very, very close to you, just let them know how you're feeling. Yeah, that can also be a first step, but uh, yeah, definitely you know take a bit of um, quote unquote professional help or advice into account as well. Yes, completely agree, Mister Davis. But what I will say is, like I said at the start, 
All the suicide gags aside, I really did enjoy this episode for a, a number of different reasons. Um, it's just sort of, it feels weird to sort of laugh about an episode titled The Suicide on a day when something like this has happened. And this happens, you know, it's not just one person. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people today and a lot of tragic stories out there. But The Suicide overall is an episode, The Suicide Jokes aside, what did you think? Oh, yeah. Very funny episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot to enjoy in this. I was watching it and I didn't feel like it was never, it was implied that he committed suicide, but it was never sort of like the word suicide was never brought up except for the suicide machines when, when Kramer and Jerry mm. were discussing that. But it was implied that he tried to take his own life, but it wasn't sort of like the butt of the joke, I feel like, throughout the episode. It was just the stand-up, really. I thought, oh, no. I thought. Yeah, that, that, that was the only thing that really sort of uh, made fun of suicide. Absolutely. I mean- yeah. In all honesty, you know, with Martin or Martine uh, yeah. going into his coma, I mean, it could have easily been like, oh, he was so furious that uh, that you were flirting with me, Jerry, that he went out and he, you know, he drank a whole bottle of vodka and now he's got alcohol poison. He's gone into a, like, or something yeah. like that. Or, you know, he went out and picked a fight with some guy and, you know, he got one punched and hit his head and now he's in a coma. It didn't ha- necessarily have to be he tried to take his own life or anything like that. So... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this this is an episode that could be, um, I don't know, reconfigured or something like that. But uh, no, for the most part, you know, that I, it, it's too good a comic setup, you know, <laughs> that uh, Jerry's in the room with this woman who's clearly hot to trot, but her comatose boyfriend is there as well. You know, that's that's too good an opportunity to waste. So, oh, 100%, um, yeah. I just thought, though, this episode for me, what stood out the most was right out of the gate, Wayne Knight as Newman. Absolutely iconic. I mean, his delivery, his mannerisms, what a perfect combination of just perfect actor for the perfect role. It very much is. Oh, I mean, when Newman showed I'm like, this is the first Newman, right? We haven't, we haven't we, seen we, Wayne We Knight. heard him when- it was, heard him. So, it, this is how it's all full circle, right? So, Newman first appeared in, in the episode The Revenge in season two, threatening to commit suicide. And Kramer says, I told him to jump. <sighs> He was voiced by Larry David in that episode because they hadn't cast Wayne Knight. He, that was ne- okay. he was never going to be a returning character, a recurring character. And Wayne Knight has said that he thought this is going to be a one-time deal as well. Originally, Newman was going to be the son of the landlord and the building snitch because Jerry was very apprehensive <laughs> about bringing, um, bringing Newman into the show going forward because he said that he was concerned about introducing Kramer's friends he thought it might ruin the mystique of the Kramer character, but I thought mm-hmm. he couldn't have been any more wrong because Newman and Kramer as a duo are just like perfect combination for comedy. They really are, but at the same time, you wonder how these two got together and sort of what they have in common or, you know, yeah. whether they balance <laughs> each other or they kind of yin and yang because, you know, who would be friends with Newman? He's terrible. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I feel like when they, maybe when they wrote this, he was still going to be the son of the landlord because it doesn't feel like they were friends at this point. He was just sort of, maybe he was collecting money from Kramer or something like that. Because at the end, he goes, yeah. I'd never step foot in your apartment. And I was like, are these guys friends? But then when I realized, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, he was meant to be the son of the landlord. Maybe they weren't necessarily friends. They, was, they, were, they were buddies, but they weren't best of mates. Like they'd gone to become in the show. But um, but yeah, I just thought yeah. uh, that uh, Wayne Knight was just incredible. Like from, from Considering this is his very first perfor- performance, it was just, he was immediately Newman. From the very first moment you saw him, it was like, wow. He just, he just is Newman. It's just amazing. And the first thing, hello, Jerry. Hello, Newman. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's clearly just relishing the heel yeah. turn that he gets to take, you know, and he's enjoying and, and finding ways to make the most out of every 
single line, every single action, uh, every single expression on his face. Yeah. (laughs) I always love it when you can tell that an actor just is in sync with something, but also sees an opportunity and just goes after it like a dog with a bone. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is something that could really make me. (laughs) And and. To an extent, it has. I mean, I'm sure Wayne Knight is known for a lot of other things. He's Nedry, yeah, of Nedry, course, in yeah. Jurassic Park. But uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a guy who. Just, and when, what? When did this episode air? This is. Uh, this was, I believe, ninety. Yeah. I want to say ninety-two. Yeah, January 29th, ninety-two. Okay, so yeah, this sort of. I'm. I'm pretty sure I knew of Wayne Knight before then. Or he's got. A, he's got the kind of face and kind of voice that you don't really forget. But, you know, he's got this, I think, but he's in Basic Instinct, which comes out the same year, you know, and he's got a, he's not in that a lot, but I mean, it's very memorable. I mean, it's the second most memorable thing in the Sharon Stone <laughs> interrogation room scene. Uh, you know what the first one is, but yeah. the second one is <laughs> Wayne Knight just sweating up a storm, <laughs> just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good and then of course you know he's got Jurassic Park I think the following year and um, yeah. and from there we're off to the races and Wayne Knight becomes Wayne Knight so, I re-watched, uh, um, re-watched Jurassic Park well two thirds of it because Elliot fell asleep because he was just knackered he's not well at the moment um, in the studio the other day we sort of we've blacked out the windows and stuff so it was like a cinema and Eddie's popcorn and I forgot just how much of a little <laughs> dick Dennis Nedry was like, oh, what yeah. a weasel. <laughs> Wayne Knight is just like the ultimate heel. I was like, you little shithead. <laughs> but, Absolute heel turn from our man. Yeah. That <laughs> was so good. But it was, for someone who grew up in the 90s, Wayne Knight is remembered for these things. Seinfeld, Newman. He was in Space Jam. He was Stan. Yes. Uh, I want to say Podolak or something like that. Space Jam. Uh, the, the guy that was sort of trying, supposed to be looking after Michael Jordan. He was Don in Third Rock from the Sun, which is a role that I think many people forget about. And he was very mm. good in the role as the police officer, uh, Sally's boyfriend in Third Rock from the Sun. He was also <laughs> the voice of um, of uh, the bad guy in Toy Story 2. Was he? He was the collector. Was he the collector? Yeah. The guy, the, oh the guy in the gosh. chicken suit. Oh, of course <laughs> he was. He was too. Oh. <laughs> Wayne Knight, villain of the 90s. What a man. <laughs> you know, right? Except, well, I mean, it, in Third Up from the Sun, he wasn't necessarily a villain, but he was sort of like, he was the dumb cop. He's got the chief Wiggum of Third Up from the Sun, and of course, yeah. Dennis Nedry as well. So it was just that, it was a very good weasel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <No. laughs> um, I say this with all due affection and appreciation and respect. Yeah. A, a pathetic kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But did it with such dignity that you almost didn't feel sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, pathetic slash poisonous. Yeah, terrible, terrible person. <laughs> Specialist in terrible scumbags. Because like George and and um, Newman are both despicable people for their own reasons, but I feel like Newman is more of a heel. Where George is relatable. Where Newman's oh, yeah. just he just cro- he's just not afraid to cross that line. <laughs> he's just a, a prick. Yeah. George is more of a sap. And yeah, Newman is definitely a heel. <laughs> yes, yeah, the ultimate heel. I loved it. But um, but yeah. Besides that, like you were mentioning um, the the coma scene, which is one of my favourite moments. We'll, we'll get to our favourites in a moment, but I just loved the <laughs> Martin yelling at Martin, yeah, trying to see if he's waking up because it's like he's so scared. He's one. Are you sure he's not going to wake up? Oh, he's in a coma. He just just wants to make sure. And I was like, this would be me as well. I just want to confirm oh, that yeah. I'm not going to get the shit kicked out of me. Also, we we're mentioning before that um, that Newman first appears voice only in the Revenge. So Larry David had. Wayne Knight re-record those lines for syndication. 
okay. so that it would all feel like it was in sync. Uh, oh, you yeah. watch it on the DVDs and whatnot, though. It's actually got the original. Well, I watched it on Netflix, this one, but it had the original voice, Larry David, um, in The Revenge. But uh, yeah, this is also an episode that we're very, it shows we're very much entering the era of intertwining stories that have a big conclusion at the end. Mm. They're all sort of building towards one scenario where they're all there and everything's relating to the next story. Like Elaine eating the cake, which means that Jerry gets dobbed on by Newman and Kramer mm. wants his, um, his vacuum back and George is in the hospital. So he finds the psychic, he's giving birth to the baby and just... All these calamities just happen, but all in the same place. It's it's this is sort of like quintessential Seinfeld, you know? Yeah. Oh, but also, I mean, when I tend to think of Seinfeld, I think of very sort of verbal comedy. Yeah. A lot of people sort of trading zingers back and forth, or you know, people getting burned, whatever. And this has very manic screwball comedy physical energy as well. You know, people sort of running from place to place, and you know, things being thrown about, and struggles and wrestles, and all that kind of business. Which, you know, is is also a Seinfeld thing. But, uh, yeah, this strikes me as it's not the first time that they've done it, but it's a really good example of it, how energetic it is. That is a good one, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favourites. What were your favourite moments from the Well, like I said, I mean, just all the stuff with Wayne Knight I thought was great. I mean, yeah, as I said, just really steering into that heel turn and just enjoying it so much. His first line, I can't eat fruit. It makes me incontinent. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, the, uh, the 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 first sort of the coma scene, I guess, where um, yeah, damn it, I, I, <laughs> Gina? I haven't written it down, but I the the actress who plays Gina, yeah, I've got to hear. So you the one that plays Gina, yes, her name is Gina. Gina uh, Georgina is what she's known, her real name is, but Gina Galigo is her name. Gina Galigos. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gina Galigo is playing, uh, playing Gina. <laughs> Lovely bit of synchronicity there. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Could be Galigo. It's G-A-L-L-E-G-O. I'm going to say Galigo. Could be Galigo, though. Could be Gal- could be Galaga. Could be the, the, Galaga. the great... Uh, <laughs> could be Galaxian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but she's fantastic. And the, the, just the, bant, the, the banter and the rhythm between her and Jerry, I thought, was just my own. A, is it the proper venue? <laughs> All of that was, uh, was just so great. I just love the way that she sort of, like, every man, he's just, he's scared, but she's like, what kind of man are you? And he's like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) 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 We we can't Uh, resist it. (laughs) But even in their sort of quieter moments and when they're at Jerry's apartment and he's like, I will show you the Stooges. (laughs) It's very good, isn't it? Yeah. That's fantastic. But I think one thing I enjoyed the most, and because I'm a bit of a sucker for George, um, just when Jerry's taking his rubbish out and he's, Trying to make George take it out. George just looked first. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, even George has some dignity. What are you yeah. doing, Jerry? Trying to make him take your rubbish out. But then the way it folds into the whole, I'll give you two dollars. No, fifty cents. So you know, you can get a Drake's for that. Drake's. You know, it's like, oh, this is Drake's. They're bringing Drake's into this. It's a, it's a very Seinfeld thing. The, the Drake's coffee cake. You know. Mm. They're yeah, like, they're absolutely. Like, so, like a, a particular thing. Like last week it was pears. This week it's Drake's coffee cake, and that becomes like a like you, you, bit like Drake's must have loved this. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I I don't think Drake's coffee cake has had ever come up in conversation for me prior to this. No. And the only time it's ever come up in conversation since this is in relation to Seinfeld. But I yes, must admit, exactly. I think when I went to New York, I'm like, hmm, should I try Drake's coffee cake while I'm here? Because yeah. <laughs> I don't think we have them in Australia. <laughs> No, but it's too sweet and it falls apart in your hand. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I also it? really enjoyed the um, just the, the line from Jerry here. Vacations? Psychics? How about you just get a job? <laughs> <laughs> 
I did. I, I've. I'm. I'm equal parts. Go easy, but also I'm like, yeah, I understand his kind of frustration. It's like, why are you frustrated? What's it got to do with you? But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, you're not working. What? What, what are you doing? Taking a, taking a break. Getting up at eleven. Oh, and there we. Oh, hang on. Yes, cross out one of my trivia questions. Okay, eleven. <laughs> oh, well, let's get into let's get into trivia then, shall we? Yes. Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. Of course, before Mr. Davis, before we get into trivia, we need to read out the names of our twenty-dollar patrons, starting with Andrew Zur, Pete Anderson, Jordan Molman, Richie, Steamed Ham Champion, Dylan Haggett, Christopher Darby, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap. Jared Howard, Hank Scorpio, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Grand Skipper Noah, Declan Phoenix, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, and Adric McLeod. All right, Mr. Davis, my first trivia question, since I've ruined one of yours, is what did Gandhi eat before he fasted? <laughs> Gandhi loved Triscuits. Yes, a box of Triscuits. Box of Triscuits. <laughs> uh, my first question to you, Dando. In George's dream, where was Martine performing stand-up? Ah, uh, Kennebunkport, Maine? Kennebunkport, Maine. Correct. Yes. It was an, I don't remember if it was an ominous nightclub. <laughs> my next question is, what is the name of the daughter of the psychic? Uh, her name is Faithy, not just Faith, but Faithy. Yeah, little, correct. Little, little creep. Always referred to as Faithy. All right, what's your <laughs> next one? Have you got any more for me, or have I ruined it? <laughs> no, no. I, well, I did have the Triscuits one. That was one of okay, mine yeah. as well. But uh, the psychics. Uh, what was the psychic's name again? Ruler. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, Ruler. Uh, yeah, Ruler. That makes sense. Yeah, Ruler. Yeah. That ring yeah. A bell. yeah. The psychic Ruler. Her, her superintendent of her building used to be what? Oh, an Israeli commander? That, oh, commando. Commando, sorry, commando. Yes, yes he went commando. So Yeah, he did. Yes. I, I well, love commando. Uh, no, I don't. Elaine, when, she's a, when Elaine's delirious, she imagines a mountain of what type of food? Oh, man. I want to say dog food? No. Oh, she did, does mention dog food. She mentioned on, dog food, but, she, but no, not in a mountain. No, no, no. There's a mountain of duck and not the fatty duck. Oh, duck. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, yes. a lovely uh, plump uh, duck breast. Oh, yeah. yes. Are you a duck guy? I'm not much of a duck ne- guy. Never eaten it in my life. My my dad used to like hunt ducks and eat like and eats them. Like he doesn't just shoot them for the sake of shooting them. But I um never eaten it. Never tasted it. I know once mum made like a stew and told us it was just chicken. It was actually rabbit. So I've eaten rabbit before and I liked it. But I, mm-hmm. ever since then I'm just like, I don't want to eat rabbit anymore. Just the idea of eating rabbit just I don't like it. But <laughs> I tasted rabbit once and I did like it because I didn't know it was rabbit at the time. Um, uh-huh. But I've never tasted duck. I've had goat. Goat is really nice. Okay, no, I've never had goat. Goat is not unlike lamb. But then you see little baby goats sort of leaping around. I'm like, oh, I don't think I want to eat you either. But then you look at any animal that's when it's a baby, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't eat you. You're cute. Yeah. But you taste so good. I just look um, at any animal, really, and I'm like, I don't know why I eat you, but I do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've, I've had a bit of duck, but a Peking duck is very nice in the other little... Okay. Yeah, they're, they're good. Um, I don't think I have any other questions for you, my man. No more? All right, well, I have one more for you. Go ahead. Why does Newman not like the beach? Oh, he freckles. He freckles. I freckle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that's just a great example. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a line that could be nothing on the page, but you, the, a smart actor and the right actor looks that and go, oh, yeah, I can throw some hot sauce on that. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, we'll be right back, guys, after this short break with our review of The Suicide. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon, where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of The Suicide was January 29th, 1992. It was written by Tom Leopold and directed by Tom Sharones. <laughs> the episode kicks off with some stand-up discussing giving a urine sample at a physical examination. I I don't think I've ever given a, had a physical examination, but I do relate to the hearing test. I thought this was so great because whenever you do a yeah. hearing test when you're younger, you literally try and get best. You're like... Am I hearing something or not? Like you sort of, you're, you convince yourself you're that you're really hearing something listening. when you can't actually hear anything. Yeah, oh yes, that was a cotton ball touching some felt. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to send these tests to Washington. You are going to meet the president. I thought it was very good. I liked it. <laughs> uh, we're now at Joe's apartment and I have the discussion. Elaine's sitting there smashing down some potato chips. She's just filling her face because she's not going to be able to eat for three days. And Jerry asks, if someone's named Rasputin, does that have a, will that have a negative effect on their life? She doesn't believe it does. And she discusses how she's going to be fasting for three days due to the ulcer test. And who could have given me ulcers? And they how could I possibly yeah. have ulcers? <laughs> how are you not hanging around with these people? But yes. Yeah. Um, oh, that should have been my other, my next trivia question. Because I, I, unfortunately, I didn't use my little marker to highlight it. But uh, yeah, Elaine says that she might have this before she goes uh, on her three-day fast. Oh, it's steak with French fried, fried onion rings or something? Fried onion rings. I'm like, oh, damn. Fried, that yeah. sounds that sounds yeah. nice. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Uh, Jerry says, I'm going to take out the garbage. Uh, actually, speaking of this, right, so I saw a, um, a diagram. It's probably old news now, but I just saw it this week on social media that Jerry's apartment couldn't it couldn't work the way it's, it's planned out because the hallway would run through the kitchen. Because uh. he, he walks out of his door and turns right, and that's where his kitchen should be because the, the door frame, it goes into the kitchen. You know what I mean? I think I've heard about that, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that Jerry's apartment is just logistically impossible. Hey, do me a favour, will you? Throw out my garbage for me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, it's just down the hall. Give me two bucks, I'll do it for two bucks. <laughs> I'll give you 50 cents. There's no way I touch that bag for less than two dollars. Come on, 50 cents. Get yourself a Drake's coffee cake. You're not getting no Drake's coffee cake for 50 cents. So they have a discussion here about the Drake's coffee cake. And as we we're saying, yeah, Drake's would have been like, oh, yes, thank you for that product placement. I wonder how many, <laughs> how much product placement existed inside of whether it was just, it was almost like them throwing their dick around saying, yeah, we can make you guys a bit of money, you know? A bit, yeah, but... It- it's funny. It's never felt like cynical or calculating to me. No, no, Any, no, no. Everything they put in 
sort of feels organic or it feels like something that Jerry or, or Larry David or anyone associated with the show is really into, you know, as opposed to, yeah, they're not pulling the whole uh, <laughs> um, Wayne Campbell sort of turning the Coke can towards the camera or anything like that. Pepsi, I mean, if you, Pepsi. Yeah, forgive me. <laughs> I chose how well that product <laughs> placement worked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Honestly, though, I mean, given how, you know, how they're always talking about going to various movies that aren't real, like Rochelle Rochelle and, um, you know, Prognosis Negative and all that. If I didn't know that Drake's coffee cake was actually real cake, I would be like, oh, they've just made up a coffee cake. But, yeah, uh, and it sounds delicious. So it, it, it feels like it's very much part of the, the Seinfeld universe. So, yeah. It's, I funny, mean, it's, uh, it's funny how, like, like, someone who grew up in Geelong, we don't have Drake's here. I would never know what Drake's coffee cake is, but I now know that it's a small size and it's a large size. Yeah, and it's crumbly and, and sweet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, George says he's going to be going on vacation. Who, are you going on? Who goes on vacation when you get a job? You need a break from getting up at 11 a.m.? <laughs> and George says, um, you know, you should come with me. And Jerry says, nah, it's non-refundable. If I can't commit to a woman, then I'm not going to commit to an airline. And then flirts with uh, with Gina about the cake. And I was like, Jerry, you were totally flirting with Gina here. Oh, my God. Yeah. For him to- <laughs> you were flirting with her. Of course you were. Insanely yeah, so. Don't you play innocent here, buddy. <laughs> like, Martin <laughs> but I love had the- every reason to sort of be a little bit annoyed. I mean, Gina was giving it back to Jerry as well. And Martin doesn't oh, sound like a very yeah. nice person. But if I was Martin, I'd also be like, the fuck's this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> I just loved, uh, I love Martin's response to how I good enough. Good enough. <laughs> Getting the old bump and walk past. <laughs> and then Jerry uh, leaves the um, leaves the garbage at Kramer's door and Kramer takes him inside. That's a beautiful button on the same. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> Kramer just picking up, sort of looking around like, ooh, I better get this before anyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then discuss um, his reaction, George and um, and Jerry. You know, should should he react the way it is? And Elaine, she says he mentions that you mentioned earlier the, the steak with the fried onion rings and it sounds delicious. And George goes, wait a minute, Martin, I had a dream about this guy. And he explains the dream about being at the um, mm. at the nightclub. Where, Mr. Davis? Kenny Bunkport, Maine. You know what? I just remembered something. I had a dream about that guy last night. This is amazing. What's so amazing? You've seen him before. I haven't seen him for months. What was the dream? He was doing stand-up comedy in Kennebunkport, Maine. <laughs> this really ominous nightclub. The stage was on a cliff, and the audience was throwing all the comics off. I think I've played there. I've had a lot of other paranormal stuff happen to me. You're a little paranormal. Name one paranormal thing that happened to you. I knew I was going to be bald. Your father's bald. Baldness is inherited from the mother's side, Jerry. But your mother's bald, too. Hey, George, you know, my friend goes to a psychic. Really? Uh Uh-huh. We should go sometime. I'd love to go. Make make an appointment. Psychics, vacations. How about getting a job? <laughs> I love how Jerry just sort of either can't bear to lose or just saw a great opportunity for a zinger in there and was like, yep, do that. Um, but, yeah, when my hair started going, I was like, I started doing a bit of research and was like, does it come from your dad or your mum? Is my hair really going? And then read, oh, yeah, it comes from your from your mum's side. And I looked at my two really? uncles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, look, it, it, it may be other things as well, but I think primarily it's, um, yeah, it comes from your mother's side. Well, that's good because all my dad's side are like all bald. My mum's side are just like, well, my, my grandfather on my mum's side, he's passed away now, but my mum's dad was like 75, 80, had a full head of hair. 
Oh yeah, well that was that was Bobby before he passed away. I mean, he was a yeah. silver fox he's until the very end. Head, like, he? <laughs> like you, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and, but uh, yeah, I looked at my mum's brothers, my uncles, and both as bald as eggs. And I'm like, oh, oh man, that's me. And honestly, I look at pictures <laughs> of my um of my uncle Teddy when I was younger. And I'm like, oh man, I'm turning into that guy. I know, <laughs> which is great because Uncle Teddy's a, a absolute urchin. But, <laughs> um, but yes, baldness on the mother's side. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being bald. No, absolutely not. I've, I've got a terrific egg-shaped head. Uh, Lane suggests you go to a psychic. And for some reason, whenever I hear the word psychic, I think of that John Edwards guy. Remember him crossing over with John Edwards? Crossing over. <laughs> that, was, that was huge for like two or three years. Do you remember? It was like fucking massive. Everyone, well, I don't know if it, you, the, the culture always needs a psychic in it. Or maybe there's just cycles whereby it's like, Ooh, a psychic. Oh, they can tell us what's going to happen. What's what's on the other side? The lovely Louise was watching Tyler Henry, this uh, teen psychic or teen medium or something on Netflix. Um, and by the end, I'm like, what's this garbage? I'm not watching this. And then I just got hooked in. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think everyone likes the idea of it being real. Everyone wants it to be real. But oh, only yeah. a very small, I don't know, maybe a small portion, but only... I would say like less than 50% of the population really believe it. But I think the majority oh. of the people want to believe it to be real because we'd all love to think that our loved ones are watching down on us. But I just can't yes. help but see that, be the cynic in it and go, you're taking money from people who are desperately seeking the love of their lost ones and you're capitalizing yeah. on that, you piece of shit. Well, yeah, there is that, absolutely. But, you know, if, if there was a psychic out there who could just, you know, give you some definitive evidence about some, about either... You know, the existence of an afterlife or it's like, I am predicting the future and I can tell you that this is going to happen and then exactly that happened. I mean, the, I think people just... The only way, for, the only way for me to believe it would be to approach John Edward on the street and he had no idea of who I am or he didn't know I was going to be coming and he was able to tell me something about someone who's passed in my family. Then I'd mm -hmm. believe that shit. But all the people on that show, everyone in the audience... They do research on everybody. They know what's going on there. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Four Finger Discount is not a pro-psychic podcast. No, I mean, if you want to believe it, but people, hey, believe what you want to believe. You're not hurting anybody. Believe whatever makes you happy, whatever gets you through the night. Exactly what I was about to say, to, to quote the man uh, written on, um, on Dando's arm, whatever gets you through the night, it's all right. Yes. It's all right. Uh, Elaine said, uh, asked about uh, Gandhi. What, what do you think he would have eaten before he fasted? Triscuits. Have you ever had a Triscuit, Mr. Davis? I don't think we get Triscuits here, do we? I don't think we have. But, you know, the thing about, you know, <laughs> the thing about other countries is we've probably got a variation on the Triscuit. Yeah. Would like, would like a Ritz or a Jats be like a Triscuit, do you think? Or Let's a savoury shake? Let's look it up. Triscuit. Let's have a look, shall we? That's not how you spell triscuits. Before we do, though, I just I love yeah. Jerry. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've mentioned it before, but psychics, vacations, how about getting a job? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's so funny. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's true, though. It's like, as you're saying, leave the guy alone, let him do what he wants. But also, and, and like George's, George's response, I only just got fired. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the, the triscuits here, they look, they're a, a snack cracker, which take the form of a square baked whole wheat wafer. Invented in mm. 1900. Yeah, I, I, we'd have something similar to that. Yeah, of course, yeah. A, ri a, a Ritz, like a square-shaped Ritz would be a thing, yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're very Moorish as well. They're not necessarily, you know, oh, I'm going to duck down to the supermarket and get a 
boxer Ritz or something. But, you know, if <laughs> say you, when you're a kid and you're over at, uh, you're having a sleepover at someone else's house or whatever, you know, you wake up early and you kind of not raid their pantry, but it's like, oh, I'm really hungry. <laughs> you have a couple of Ritz, like, oh man, these are good. And then you really go to town on them. Yeah, especially the extra salty ones. I, I used to love, uh, <laughs> mum used to make them for my school lunch. She'd just get the, the Ritz crackers, but she'd just get like cheese and cut them into four. Like four little mm. mini squares, like a slice of cheese and like cheese and crackers. Fucking best, oh, yeah. mate. That's oh, yeah. So very, and very sophisticated, too. That's your that's your play lunch. That's recess yeah. lunch, as a That's your recess. Yeah. yeah. yeah morning, your morning snack. <laughs> Here we go again, talking about food. <laughs> well, we, we, can't, we, we can't do this around lunchtime. No. Uh, Gina, she's banging on Jerry's door in the middle of the night. Uh, Martin has tried to kill himself with pills. So does she actually say he's tried to kill himself? She must say that, does she? I've got here I my think notes, so, tries yeah. to kill himself with pills. She must actually say that. Um, and I love the conversation here about the robe. Should I get the robe? There's no time. I'll end it quickly. There's no time. Fine, go get the robe. No, I don't know. Yes, I'll go get the robe. <laughs> so every, every every scene they have together it just has that love, has that fantastic rhythm. It's it's yeah. so good, the two of them. Who is it? Who is it? It's Gina. Who? Martin's girlfriend. Martin? Your next door neighbor. Oh, Martin. It's Martin. I think he's dying. He tried to kill himself with pills. What? Come on. In my pajamas? Let me go get my robe. We do not have time. It'll take two seconds. There is no time. We don't have two seconds. All right. right. Go ahead. No, I forget it. No, go ahead. No, I'll just wear the pajamas. Will you just get it? Are you sure? We'll forget it. Come on. No, I'll go get the robe. <laughs> We're now at the hospital, and a, a reference here that sort of gets lost on modern audiences, like younger audiences now, that, well, it's not like a Sonny Von Bulow coma. <laughs> if, you, if you're interested, folks, check out the film Reversal of Fortune, starring Jeremy Irons and Glenn Close. Uh, or, of course, just Wikipedia, uh, Sonny Von Bulow, and get the whole lowdown on that uh, on that case, which is... The, hus- uh, the husband got off for that, right? He certainly, I think, he got off on a technicality, yeah. Yeah. Klaus von Bülow. You know why he did this? Because I told him it was over. I did not want to see him anymore. Really? It's over? I could not stand it another minute. Yesterday, he turned over a Sabret's hot dog stand because he thought the man was looking at me. And then, after he saw you in the hall, oh, he was crazy with jealousy. Oh, boy. Did he say anything about me? He does not like you. In all indications are he does not like Drake's coffee cake. He said that. He was screaming about it all night. How it's too sweet and it falls apart when you eat it. I'm sorry if I caused any trouble. I was just being friendly. I wasn't. You weren't? I think there's something about the idea of somebody being jealous over you. It's like, oh, yes, well, I am very special. <laughs> oh, I, I am competition, am I? Okay, then, fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. I mean, you don't like to see your partner annoyed, but have you ever seen Louise jealous of someone like looking at you or anything? It's never happened a couple of times in my relationship with Nicola. I've seen her jealous, and I'm like, huh. Oh. Just sort of it makes you just feel. I oh know. Just makes me. It's just. It's just see, seeing the jealous side of somebody. It's just. It, it, you're different I'd, when you're jealous. You know. That's true. I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't believe I've seen uh, Louise behave that way. Not not out of any lack of devotion or anything like that. But uh, no, yeah. I, I think we're both fairly secure in our 
ties to one another, shall we say. Yeah. I did like Gina here. All indications point that he does not like Jake's coffee cake. <laughs> and then <laughs> she starts flirting with Jerry. And then you, you thought about me? Of course. Like, he says, the way he says, of course, he's like, he's like a little boy. <laughs> of course. It, um, it's funny. The, the, like I was saying, the, the rhythm and the banter and the interaction between uh, Jerry and Jen is so good. And you'd generally think, oh, wow, these two would actually be really well matched. I don't think they would. I think it'd be terrible. But yeah. I, for all their, um, all the tempestuousness in it, Martin and Gina seem actually very well suited as part of they that. Do, they both yeah. have that very hot temper. And they're, yes. very, they're very passionate. That's a, that's a nice way of saying it, which is another way of saying, oh, just dramatic. <laughs> that's why they end up moving to the village together. Correct, yes. As I was saying earlier, I love this where he yelled, screams Martin right in his face. <laughs> How that actor kept a straight face during that, I have no idea. <laughs> because the way he screamed Martin was so good. And Gina says, I actually want him dead. And I'm going to pull the plug. I know how you feel, but juries these days, I'm not sure how they'd see this. <laughs> and she demands that he kiss her right in front of him. And I'm thinking, man, if I was in a situation, I'd also be like Jerry. I'd be like, oh, no, no, is this the right kind of, right kind of, uh, what did he say, right kind of room? Was it right kind of? Is it, is it, is it the proper venue? <laughs> proper venue, that's the, that's the Yeah. <laughs> I have thought about you many times. Have you thought about me? Of course. <laughs> Tell me everything. Are you sure he can't hear anything? <laughs> Martin! Martin! I wish he was not in a coma. I wish he was dead. I would like to pull the plug out from him. I, 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 would, I would wait on that one. I know how you feel, but juries today, you never know how they're going to look at a thing like this. I saw you looking at your watch. You want to leave? Go ahead. No, I just wanted to see what time it was. Are you afraid of him? No. Then kiss me. Here? Yes, right here. Is this the proper venue? You don't want to? No, no, I want to. I, I very much want to. I, I desire to. I, I pine to. Then kiss me right in front of I him. I can't. What if he wakes up? A man is lying here unconscious and you're afraid of him? What kind of a man are you? I'm a man who respects a good coma. <laughs> the way he's able to come up with a, an explanation that's like, I'm not chicken shit, I have a very good reason. Yeah, he tries to sort of keep the upper hand or keep his manhood. It's hilarious. Yeah. Kramer is uh, annoyed that Martin's in a coma because he's got his vacuum cleaner. And originally I had in my notes, why doesn't he just ask Gina for it? Oh, yeah. Like Gina could sure just go. Gina's kind of intimidating. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I thought she could have gone to his apartment and get it for him. But anyway, no, my carpets are filthy. Filthy. And New, New, had you know, or New, Newman told him. Uh, there's a little line here that Michael Ritt Kramer says. He's got all the attachments, <laughs> like he's the vacuum plus all the attachments. <laughs> he asks, "How long's going to be in a coma for before? Uh, how long do you have to be in a coma before you can ask someone's ex out?" And Kramer suggests Dr. Kevorkian and they talk about the uh, the suicide machine. This this is another line here that, that wouldn't fly now. What, there's no tall building where people where people live. Like, wrap your lips around a revolver like a normal person. I'm like, whoa, shit. <laughs> I would not be saying that now. Here's my quote. Jeez, you're not getting away with these suicide gags today. <laughs> no, not at all. You couldn't. I don't think you could even call the episode the suicide. Oh no. Uh, you probably could, but I feel like that is wooden to avoid the hassle. They'd probably just call it. 
the psychic or the vacuum cleaner? I, I think they'd yeah, pick another <laughs> pick another plot to uh, to focus on. He explains that Gina wanted a, a kiss. And that's that's a great thing about Mediterranean women. Kramer's just so I just love that Kramer just seems to be so um experienced with many things. <laughs> great oh, thing about Mediterranean women. And Kramer then asks, you know, what kind of man are you? You wouldn't kiss and Jerry says, well, I, I didn't know about coma etiquette. There is no coma etiquette. You know, you go for it. What? So like girl, car, clothes are all for grabs? <laughs> I'm going to loot a coma victim? Of course. <laughs> if they can't get out 24 hours, it's a land rush. <laughs> God. <laughs> like, this is not what life is like, but I can actually imagine this is what Kramer believes. Mm. And um, yeah. Yep. I wonder how many people after this episode were concerned about going to a coma, fearing that all their shit's oh. going to get stolen. <laughs> Start revising their wills or something. Yeah. So, so what are you saying is that they wake up after a month and there's nothing left? Nothing left. <laughs> that's why, and that's why he wants his vacuum cleaner now because he fears someone else is going to loot it. Someone else is going to mm. take it. George and Elena now at the psychic's house. Was it Ruler? Was that a name? Ruler. Yeah. Ruler. And Faith. Faithy just. I love the setup of this place. You know, just some complete, just shoddy fucking psychic. Got a daughter on the fucking couch. Yeah. yeah just. <laughs> just, and when things aren't going her way, she threatens them. You know, threatens them mm. with a with a, a the, almost like the pimp. Of, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're, they're talking about um. Well, she offers Drake's coffee cake, and Elaine obviously because she still can't eat. She's just she's getting starting to be somewhat delirious, and she's. I've, I had it originally in my notes. Why is she so agitated? But of course she's agitated because she hasn't had any food for a few days. Yeah. So then she goes, "Who's Pauline?" My, my brother once impregnated a woman named Pauline. <laughs> One of only a couple of times we hear about Jerry's brother, who we never actually see on screen. George's brother. Yeah. yeah. He's not actually a, a, a played by anybody in the show. We just hear about him a couple of times. Oh. Uh, but then uh, she said, I see Audrey. Audrey, yeah, she, yeah, with, with a small nose. Of course, yeah. I loved her very deeply. Will she ever talk to me again? Mm, not in this lifetime. Then Elaine questions her about smoking while she's pregnant. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Elaine is in the right here. You shouldn't be fucking smoking when you're pregnant. And when you get a kid in the room. That is very much correct. This episode is very, really shows how far we've come as a society. That like, You're not allowed to smoke inside with kids at all anymore. That's just the thing. <laughs> uh, by the way, a great line about Audrey is like, you think about her, but when I hear her name mentioned. Oh, Pauline, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Elaine's constantly interrupting George's reading by complaining about the cigarette and things like that. Mm. And George, he, he just wants that answer. What, what? Why can't I go on this holiday? But no, she, he's not going to get it because uh, Elaine just keeps yelling at her. She gets, uh, tries to throw him out. She says her super is an Israeli commando and George leaves immediately. We then get stand up about sidekicks and how they should all be licensed to parallel park without without being able to see. I'm like, I agree. <laughs> A quick sidebar. Israeli... Special forces or commando or martial arts, it seems to be a real shorthand for like, you don't fuck with these guys. <laughs> yeah, if, I'm, if you're a commando, it just. I used to have a video game but, called Super, Super Commando, and you didn't fuck with those people. Like they were, they were. No, but but if you hear Israeli before anything, it's like, oh my, well, no, those guys are the toughest of the toughest. Or you're like, we've been raised to think that way. I think so. <laughs> it's like. If you're going to study a martial art, well, you know, you could do jiu-jitsu or karate, but you could do Krav Maga. Oh, they use that in the Israeli Special Force. Oh, that'll fuck you right up. <laughs> Let me ask you, what will you do if Martin wakes up? Run away like a mouse? No, more like the Three Stooges at the end of every movie. Who are these Stooges you speak of? They're a comedy team. Tell me about them, everything. 
Well, they're three kind of funny-looking guys, and they'd hit each other a lot. You will show me the Stooges? I will show you the Stooges. When? Well, I don't really know where the Stooges are right now. But if I locate them, you'll be the first to know. Come. You walk me to a cab. Uh, well, I, I, um, I don't want you to get upset or anything, but, uh, with Martin and all, maybe it's not such a good idea for us to be seen together in the building because, you know, he had a lot of friends here. You are still afraid. You are not a man. Well, then what are all those ties and sport jackets doing in my closet? Are you going to walk me to a cab or not? Yeah, all right, all right. Again, you're still afraid? You are not a man. <laughs> just, just, always just straight away just jumps. You are not a man. If there's one thing that men hate being called, it's not a man. It's like you're it's not, not manly. Yeah, you are not a man. It's like oh Jesus Christ! Now I have to do it now. So he gives in, and as soon as, of course, as soon as he walks out the door, he sees Newman with Kramer. And the first line from Newman: "Candy fruit makes me incontinent." <laughs> but as we were describing earlier, as we were saying, uh, Wayne Knight's mannerisms—the look on his face of. Hello, Jerry. As if to say, mm. oh, I've fucking caught you in the act. Wait till Martin hears about this. He doesn't have to say any of that. He just says it with his smirk. Like, way nice. does. Fucking great. We're now at the hospital for, for Elaine, of course, for her appointment. And Jerry is concerned that Newman's going to uh, tell Martin if he wakes up. And George says to Elaine, you know, Elaine, people smoke, okay? <laughs> just like, just, I, I thought George, of all people, you'd feel like he'd be someone who would be having an issue with someone smoking whilst pregnant, but I guess because at the end he was there to get something that he wanted. He was willing to put up with it. I don't yeah. know, anyway, but Elaine's just completely delirious here. Did you see the wall move? I'm not really... Would this happen after not eating for three days? Well, yeah. Is she is she, is she in her third day at this stage? Yeah, yes, because she's about to go into her appointment. She's waiting to go in. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like an awful long time to fast. I was about to say, is it even legal to tell someone you can't eat for three days? I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah. like when I have gone to something, like I, you can't eat like that morning. I'm like, okay, I won't eat breakfast then. That's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, or at the most, it's like 24 hours or something. And you know, at, at least eight of those are going to be sleeping. So. Yeah. I can't wake up and have a midnight cookie though. So uh, Jerry says to George, "You know, I've ever gone to a coma." Please make sure you take everything out of my apartment in the first 24 hours. And then Elaine says, how do we know the dog food's any good? Who tastes it? So she's just yeah, she's just <laughs> in another world by this point. This is where Kramer arrives. And um, and Newman's visiting Martin. But uh, this is where George asked Kramer to buy the Cayman Island ticket. I love this here. What, why do you want to go? Oh, the psychic says something bad might happen. I dig. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Very open-minded, Kramer. Good on him. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Kramer is then yelling at Martin for the vacuum. <laughs> Newman's just sitting there. Let's let Newman do it. Newman says, I'm going to just buy a new one. Obviously, the carpet sweeper. They're the biggest scam perpetrated on the American public since the one hour martinizing. <laughs> it's like, well, my rug seems okay. I'll, you could come see it. I wouldn't set foot in your house. And I was like, wait a minute, aren't they friends? But obviously, they weren't at this point. Jerry then enters and Newman's smile says it all again. Hello. Hey. Hello, Jerry. <laughs> How's he doing? Well, he looks happy to me. I hope he stays this happy when he wakes up. Why wouldn't he? No reason. I'll have a lot of catching up to do, I guess. I'll bring him up to date. Up to date? All the way up. Uh, nothing could change your mind? Well, it would take a hell of a lot, because a friend is something you earn. 
Okay, Jerry has a friend who has free tickets to the Cayman Islands this weekend. He's not going. I don't care much for the beach. I freckle. <laughs> Is that a... Uh... Drake's coffee cake. <laughs> wow. Where did you get that? Oh, my house. I got a whole box of them. Boy, that's the full size. That's your big boy. Can I have a bite? I don't give out bites. I got another one, but I'm saving it for later. Just one bite? I don't think so. You know, they're, they're so fragile. All right! All right. I won't say anything. You swear? I swear. On your mother's life. On my mother's life. <laughs> How good was the famous response here? Oh, like when you swear on your mother's life, shit's getting real now. You can't go back. You swear on your mother's life. <laughs> when you're a kid, when someone says swear on your mother's life, you thought twice, you're like, fuck. Like, okay, I was going to go back on this. But now, like, is it worth my mother's life? Okay, mm. let's 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 think about this. <laughs> uh, what, well, what but, I, yeah, I mean, there's always that there's that interesting line where it's like you you may be young enough to think this actually could cost my mother her life, but also just being old enough to go, well, if I say if I if I you know uh, make a promise on my mother's life and then I go back on it, they're going to go, oh, that's how much regard you hold your mother in, is it? Oh, you're a person of low character. <laughs> I remember the first time being on like a school excursion and like this kid going, don't step on a crack, it'll break your mother's back. And me going, oh, what? And like the whole day I just spent like <laughs> trying to avoid the cracks in the, <laughs> in the ground. It's just funny what you believe when you're a kid. But everyone believes something, don't they? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure you believe in something. Like, we've all had that moment. We've all had that moment, I feel like, in our life where we've gone, something's, we've had something happen in our life where it's gone, maybe there is an afterlife. Maybe this shit is real. Like, maybe there is something mm. more to life than just what's here on this earth. Like, I had a dream once. I've only ever had one dream about my uncle Noel, and he passed away in 2000. And I had a dream about five mm. years later. And in my dream, he was just like, I'm just coming back just to say goodbye because you never got a chance to say goodbye. And that's the only time I've ever dreamt about it. And I'm like, oh. that's just something I'm just like, I know it's probably just bullshit, but it was just odd. You know, <laughs> just one time only. I only ever dreamt about him once. And he came back in my dream to say, I'm just coming to say goodbye because you, you never had the chance to say goodbye to me. And it's just one of those things where I'm just like, ah. Oh, yeah, like that's why well, I'll never one hundred percent commit to not believing. If that sounds silly, true. No, no, true, true. I mean, but you know, it it could be a transmission from the great beyond, or it could be the fact that you know there are more I neurons in the human. Yes, there are more neurons in the human brain than there are stars in the universe, and you know th- those ones just decided to light up at that particular time. Yeah. Anyway, for uh, so, yeah, so everything's going to. to- to, to shit at the hospital. Uh, but yeah, I just love the reaction from Kramer. Elaine's completely delirious. She's talking about the mountain of duck, not the fatty duck. George then chases Faithy and she goes into the delivery room. And I was like, George, you are stepping over a line here. So you do not go into a delivery room when someone's about to give birth to a baby. He's apologizing to um to Ruler and she's just not listening at all. He tells Faithy to go get the nurse. And he's like, so tell me, well, why can't I take the trip? She says, don't take the trip. Why, why, why? Because why? Because why? And he's chasing her out of the room. <laughs> Elaine then tries to take the coffee cake from Newman. And just at this point, <laughs> Martin wakes up. <laughs> George is chasing the psychic to try and get an answer. Got back to Martin. He's strangling Jerry. And at, the, at this point, right, Newman's like saying, yeah, he had, he did it right in front of you. Still, <laughs> I want my vacuum cleaner. <laughs> just yelling at Martin. 
<laughs> None of them listening. And Elaine's just sitting there eating the cake. I just thought that, that little scene there was just so funny. <laughs> Everything just unraveling. It was perfect. A couple hours ago. So, how was it? George, I would like to thank you for the greatest four days I ever spent in my life. They were shooting the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue right in the hotel pool. Well, not only that, the hotel, they opened up this area on the beach for nude bathing, and all of the Sports Illustrated models went down there. Wow! I am on the next blanket from L. McPherson. Oh! I played backgammon nude. Oh! oh, she's a sweet kid. Nude backgammon with swimsuit models! Oh, you know what? The second day I was there, I stepped on a jellyfish. Now, it kind of stung my foot. That's probably what Rula was trying to warn you about. Yeah, you gotta watch for the jellyfish. Yeah. Al McPherson, I think he says. The Americans pronounce it McPherson for some reason. It's weird yeah. because if but, she says it's McPherson, but take it, yeah. <laughs> take it from us, uh, American listeners. Uh, you know, we're we're Australians, just like Al McPherson. We pronounce it McPherson. Yeah. It's like if we went to America and called Boston Boston or something, they say no, it's it's Boston. It's like okay. How about you come to Australia and fucking say Melbourne for a change instead of Melbourne? Fuck me! <laughs> hey, it's it's time for uh, time to put on your hard hats because I'm going to drop a name. Um, okay. Not long ago, uh, your old pal Guy hosted a Q and A with Sam Jones, aka mm. Flash Gordon, when he came to Geelong uh, to uh, appear at the at, at um, uh, the Pop Culture Collector Gallery, and. Sam's a very diligent fellow when it comes to his Q&As and his appearances. He goes the extra mile and he had done his research and he, yep, didn't pronounce it G-Long like so many American visitors do. He got it down to Geelong. Geelong. Well, well done. And everyone in the room was like, you got it right. Sam got it right. <laughs> you see he, he, said it, he, he really likes us. He said it right. He's like one of us. <laughs> <laughs> What I loved about this moment the most, though, was Jerry slapping George every time. Every time he's just like, Can you oh, believe it, George? You. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been playing backgammon nude with Al McPherson. Yeah, and all you had to do was, the worst thing that was going to happen was step on a jellyfish. That's all. I mean, backgammon nude with Al McPherson. Who wouldn't be doing that in 1992? Was she like one of the world's most famous models at that point? Yes, that I was remember the, her being. I remember the, her being like a huge name as a kid. But I didn't really know who she was. I was still obviously still too young. So early nineties, she was just massive, was she? Oh yeah, that was the era of the supermodel. Yeah, yeah. Before you didn't really have supermodels before the early nineties. I don't think. I mean, it was they really started to happen in the late eighties, early nineties. It was like these girls aren't just models; they're supermodels. You know, but I think it was one of them was a Linda Evangelista who famously said she wouldn't get out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, so then they got the invitation to the housewarming from Martin and Gina. They've moved someplace down in the village. And they're now taking Elaine out to dinner once again because she's got to start fasting because she ate the cake, obviously. And Kramer says he's going to be... He can't go because he's catching up with all the models from the from the island, what, including Elmwick Ferson. Oh, I've got to call her. And then runs off. And then we ended with the um, the really, really bad stand-up about failed suicides. And it's like, one more thing... The you, less we more, say about it, the better. Yeah, one more thing you stink at. I'm like, this... Yeah. I feel like even Jerry would just want this just gone. I mean, obviously, it's a product of its time, but there's a difference between being a product of its time and just being horrific. Like, this is pretty horrific, in my opinion. I thought it was very tasteless, but 1992 obviously wasn't tasteless. I guess not. I mean, it was probably more sort of 
edgy. I, I just don't even feel like Chappelle would touch this kind of content anymore. No, well, it doesn't even feel like it sort of feels like Seinfeld material, but it also feels a little out of keeping with his character. Yeah, to or his, his personality. I mean, because it's not. It seems he usually he usually <laughs> talks about everyday scenarios, and I, you know he's, he's trying mm. to put his spit on this, but he never he never usually goes into like the um the shock value comedy. No, but here's the thing: I don't think this is even supposed to be shocking, though. Yeah, was it supposed to be in '92? I don't know. No, like, probably like not. N- now it would be. Now you people, I don't think this would even get a murmur from an audience. In 2022, if you said if you did this stand up now, I think people would just go, "Whoa, oh my!" <laughs> but um, but yeah. So that aside, I thought this was a really, really funny episode. But I think Wayne Knight just really adds that extra element to Seinfeld. That not that we we're necessarily missing, but it was something that I never realized I wanted until I had it. And I'm like, oh yeah, now we're going, now it's starting to feel even more like Seinfeld. We've got Newman with Kramer. It's just yeah, yeah, like it's just it's sort of all coming together now. As they say in Third Rock, he was the third kind of heat. You know, he just added that extra something to it. Yeah, I mean, yes. you, I think you always think of the core quartet when you think of Seinfeld. You think of, you know, Jerry, Elaine, George and Kramer. But, uh, yeah, Newman makes it a... Re- He's the fifth Beatle, basically. It's a good way of putting it. Very good way of putting it. Fifth Beatle. Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. All right, Mr. Davis. Now, last week on the show, we actually asked some people, we asked the listeners, we said, we give you the idea of the flea market. We thought the flea market had a potential to have a good Seinfeld-based story. So we said, listeners out there, send in your answers, talkingseinfeld at gmail.com. Give us your episode idea for each character for the flea market. We had a couple send in. So Daniel Kotnick has given us a pretty good rundown here. I'll read it out to you right Mm -hmm. now. Daniel Kotnick has said, in the fictitious The Flea Market episode, the group goes to the flea market to help George's dad, Frank, sell his collection of vintage Playboy magazines, which he claims he only bought for the articles. Jerry, Elaine, and Kramer go off on their own to look for potential gifts for Jerry's dad's birthday. Meanwhile, George accompanies his dad to a stand uh, to sell the magazines to a vendor, which he handled surprisingly easily. Frank reveals that the Playboys were only an excuse to bring George to the market to help settle a long-standing feud with a different vendor at the market, which George obviously does not want to do. Jerry and Elaine stop at a stand selling antique pocket watches. Elaine picks one up, unwittingly... Uh, getting mechanical grease on her hands before getting it on Jerry's new shirt and he's upset because he was supposed to be meeting a date straight after this so Kramer suggests they go to the flea market to see if they can fix the situation and, and it leads the group into the market Frank, uh, he says here speak. someone can speak to them the flea market can speak to them that's apparently uh, a big deal so Frank drags George mm-hmm. to his rival vendor to confront him and during the confrontation Frank reveals the background of the feud When years ago, Frank made a purchase from him and the vendor gave him something extra because he was running a buy one, get one free deal. Uh, Frank was offended by this, believing the man was accusing him of being poor and demanded that he make him pay for it, which the vendor refused and now led to Frank attempting to track him down so that he can pay for it. Kramer brings uh, brings Jerry and Elaine to a vendor that sells homemade cleaning solutions. Jerry tries it, but the solution leaves a large bleach stain. Elaine quickly tries to... Uh, run to a nearby vendor and attempts a miracle paste in, to colour in the stain, but turns out it's a binding solution that sticks her hand to Jerry's shirt. And as she attempts to pull it away, it rips a large portion of his shirt away. Back to George and Frank. Frank is making a public scene in front of the vendor, who defends himself with, with equal vigour. Eventually, George cracks and yells at both of them how stupid the feud is. Both come to their senses, and the vendor allows Frank to pay for the item, which turns out to be a cheap Make 7 Up Yours t-shirt. Uh, Frank realises he didn't actually bring his wallet, and then when George offers to pay for it, he says he doesn't have enough cash, so the vendor again offers to give it to him for free, reigniting the feud. And at the end, George and Frank are seen waiting at the exit. Frank just, uh, derided George for failing him as a son, 
When Jerry, Elaine and Kramer walk up, they both briefly recap their escapades with Kramer's proudly stating that the flea market spoke to them and helped Jerry through his problem. Jerry, amused by all this, reveals that he is now wearing the 7-Up t-shirt to his date. Very elaborate. Daniel put the hours in. Yeah. <laughs> it goes the whole episode. Good going. Daniel. <laughs> and and that's been this episode of Talk Inside. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we need to do anything anymore. Wow, Daniel, that's that's quite something. And I mean, yeah, if you want if you want to go into that much detail, you can. We don't expect you to. We just, just give us a brief rundown of each character's storyline. You could have just given us the first paragraph; it would have been fine. We're <laughs> expecting the thing you find in TV Guide or in TV Week. You know, a little yeah. a little synopsis, not a not a whole treatment. You know, but, that, but, but, but we that's great. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, uh, both Jerry and and Larry, who are you know longtime listeners of Talking Seinfeld, would go. Hmm, time to reboot Seinfeld, thanks to this guy, Daniel Kotnick. <laughs> yes, yeah, so thank you, Daniel. We've got one more sentence here from our man, Pat Wright. This one's much shorter, much easier on the, on the eye. <laughs> Pat, Pat strikes me as a man of few words, but every word means something. <laughs> no, Daniel, don't get me wrong, we liked every word that you gave us just then, but yeah, Pat's kind of like, this happens. <laughs> Kramer sees someone steal something from a vendor and follows him for the rest of the episode. Jerry meets a woman and she ends up buying Mein Kampf. Elaine and another woman end up trying to buy the same item at multiple stands, with Elaine getting the last laugh with a vintage JFK picture, and George haggles over a t-shirt owned by Mickey Mantle, uh, only to put it on and spill food all over it. There you go. That's from Pat Wright. <laughs> Equally good. That, that, that's yes. nice. We, we've got some smart listeners. Yes, thank you guys. So, TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. Uh, so, this week, since we're coming close to Christmas time, Christmas time's approaching, we thought we'd throw out a um, a Christmas-themed episode idea, and Guy has gone with which one? I thought we'd have an episode called The Secret Santa, a.k.a. The Chris Kringle. Yeah, The Chris Kringle in Australia, The Secret Santa. So, yes, let's send that out there to you guys. TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. Send in your potential storyline plot ideas for that episode, The Secret Santa slash Chris Kringle here in Australia for each of the four main characters, and we'll read out the best ones on the show. TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. Whoa. All right, so the next episode of Talking Seinfeld, we are going to be reviewing the episode The Fix Up. So make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Make sure you also mm-hmm. please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We want more reviews coming through. Please chuck us five stars and leave us a few kind words if you do have the time. It takes you a few moments. And we'll read all those reviews out on the show. So Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter now, at Talking Seinfeld. You can find us there. Follow us on there and you can catch up with regular daily updates from myself and Mr. One Guy Davis. is probably the best way to get in contact with us if you aren't a patron of the show. But if you do want to support the show, if you enjoy what we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can become a patron for as little as $1 per month. Everything helps us. Everything helps the show grow, helps us buy new equipment and everything. So if you do enjoy the show, for as little as $1, you can support us at patreon.com slash four finger discount. The link for that is in the description of this podcast. This has been our review of The Suicide. Next episode is The Fix Up. Mr. Davis, any final words for those incredible listeners out there? Hello, Dando. 